Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Cardi, with Matthew Perslow. Hello. Joe Scrabbles. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Um, God, it's busy, busy today suddenly. A uh, little peep behind the curtain, we're recording this about... 20 minutes after the Uncharted trailer dropped. 28. Uh, so 28 minutes. 28 minutes, sorry. sorry. Thank you. A real peek behind the curtain. Not even a peek, we're pulling it right off the rails. Don't, yeah, that pull it. Take <laughs> don't, don't mind. Some reattaching. <laughs> sorry, what was that? What I was just going to be grim. Vulgar. You're going to be vulgar. Vulgar, um, that's the term. Um... It's a lot to talk about today. Not only we've had to add Uncharted to the mix because we can't not talk about that, can we? Because uh, mm. there's things to say. There's DC Fandom over the weekend. We'll catch up on a few things from that. A couple of games you might not have heard of that you might be interested in because we we enjoy them quite a bit. And mm-hmm. if we enjoy them, there's always the chance you might enjoy them. And then we've got some film, TV, and I've also, for the first time it feels like in years, got an actual proper podcast drop. Uh, oh! I got to speak to Denny Villeneuve, director of Dune, so we've got a nice little 15-minute chat with him. We'll probably do that before the endless search, I reckon, so uh, no spoilers in it either, so if you're looking forward to the film, it won't spoil it at all. What we're saying, Lovely. it's going to be a really fucking long one. <laughs> like oh yeah, settle in. Strap in, boys. <laughs> we're going to be I here hope for you're stuck in traffic, because... You know, we had a hundred-minute one the other day. Will this approach it? Who knows? I'm gonna a, a tantalising yes from me. Why don't we just get on with it? The Uncharted trailer dropped. What do we think? Because uh, I think we're all on the same page of this. I don't think it looks terrible. Mm. I don't think it looks by any means good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But um, it's just I was I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on the casting. But from that I trailer, just can't just, do it. It's, it's they're not far them. too young. It's no, not them, is that it? Is not, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland are not Sully and Drake, are they? They're just not. It's weird when you think, like, we're in the world of the MCU, and, you know, DC have done this pretty well, where they've got comic book characters that have only ever lived as images on a page, and mm. they found perfect people for those roles. And yet... They've got more to work with this time because they've got actual kind of like, you know, for lack of a better term, living, breathing CGI characters that they can use as kind of reference. They've just found people that don't embody those personalities at all. (laughs) At least, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't seen obviously any more than what is it, a two minute trailer, but there's just just doesn't evoke the right feeling for me. It's just he's just and the problem like if Mark Wahlberg I like Tom Holland. If Mark Wahlberg can't be asked to grow a moustache to play Sully, then you know, I think that says all we need to know. Exactly. Just put the moustache. He's got one iconic feature is a cigar mm-hmm. and a moustache. Unless the end of this film is him lighting a cigar and putting on a fake moustache. I, I, I truly think by the end of the film he will have a moustache, to be fair. I'm being a little facetious. But it, it does. it is one of those things where you're like, they must know that like fans are going to be... Because I'm not attached to the Uncharted mythos at all. Like I like a couple mm. of those games quite a lot. They're they're fun games, but I'm not I'm not a you know I'm not a follower. Um, but even I am a bit like I mean fucking like does it have to be? Is it does it need to be this different? Like what what is the point yeah. of these of these situations if this is what we're doing with it? It just feels off because I don't really know how much this film is covering as well because there seems to be things from pretty much all four games that I spotted from that trailer and like you point out just before we recorded Matt like. 
And we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt because when they cast Tom Holland, they were, they kind of postured that this was a prequel of sorts to the games, not really connected. It's the complete opposite of that. They've bunged it, as much as they can from yeah, the games it, in. It's like the abridged version of the entire <laughs> series from the look of it. Well, here's my, here's my guess is... Uh, we've heard previously that Mark Wahlberg has only signed on to do one Uncharted movie. So I wonder mm. if they're just going, we pretty much know that we're only going to do this once. So we might as well put in all the stuff that we can put in trailers now um, mm-hmm. and not save it up. And so it feels to me like it's not its not even like abridged. It's just going, here is an origin story that happens to have every major set piece you care about, maybe minus Nepal. Although mm-hmm. I guarantee the second trailer will start with him hanging <laughs> off a cliff in Nepal. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's, I, I just find myself quite quite yeah. lukewarm on the entire affair. And the, and the CG does look quite ropey. Mm. <laughs> no pun intended, like he's hanging off ropes and stuff, but it, it, it doesn't doesn't look great i mean it's the complete opposite of what i'm getting from the last of us hbo show whenever i see a set photo of that or hear someone talking about that it looks like they're doing a proper like prestige hbo drama job on that mm-hmm. whereas i watch this trailer, and i'm like this looks naff it's, <laughs> frankly it, it is i know this is not a uh, a wildly original thing to say at this point but we are <laughs> at the point where big prestige tv series are where you get like the legit versions of these adaptations or these you know these tales and when you when you do a movie of it unless you're marvel it does feel a little bit like oh this is the cash grab that we're used to from licensed things i wouldn't be surprised to feel very similar about borderlands down the line um Mm -hmm. whereas it does feel like the last of us holds up to us the scrutiny of a series and you know and the weight of a series Mm -hmm. and they're not going to fuck about that the reason they've gone with this more younger direction is because obviously Uncharted owes a lot to Indiana Jones and they're going, well, if we just cast someone like Indiana Jones, we're basically making Indiana Jones. Do you think they've tried to get away from but, that? Or like, that's I don't what, know. That's what Uncharted is, right? It just feels to me, it's like pick what flavour of the month is and it's like everybody loves Tom Holland, right? So just use Tom Holland as your vehicle. It's just, I don't know, it feels very yeah. cynical to me. We'll see. Well, it's out, it's out in February. It's not far away. So not long till we actually see it. I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I, trailer's not hopeful, but I want to enjoy it. Because I, unlike Joe, I, I am a huge Uncharted fan. I One of my favourite series of games. And yeah, I, I want this to be good. But sadly, we may not get that. Who knows? Some more promising things, though, from DC Fandom. I think we can all agree. Well, I haven't actually spoken about you. I'm just assuming that we all agree that the Batman looks fantastic. Yep. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I... <laughs> I wasn't even, before this trailer, I wasn't totally, like, I liked the seveniness of it, but I wasn't totally sold on big goth Batman. Um, mm. like, but something about this one just really worked for me. Like, it feels way more uh, angry than sulky, I think, at this point. And that's where I, that's mm-hmm. where I want my Batman. I want him He's furious. Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I want to see more of him. And I know why they're not showing more of him, because... It's going to be a big part of the film, but Paul Dano as the Riddler is just dreamcasting. Oh, and come on, Dano and anything is dreamcasting. I, I know that shot. Of, I assume about ninety nine percent sure that's him at the um, diner right at the mm-hmm. start. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know with these things, um, but he looks exactly like the character he plays in Prisoners. If yeah. anyone's seen Prisoners, and I just kind of wish it was the same universe, and he's kind of grown up and just. <laughs> 
this tormented child has become my the Riddler. Uh, my best mate sent me a, a message straight afterwards just saying, is Paul Dano the Riddler? And I said, he is. And he said, I saw lank hair and Deirdre glasses and put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your, your best mate? Like, why does that leave us? Um... Let's not get into it. It's very complicated it's, algorithm. Yeah. I have to run. It's, it's like a big, yeah, it's a big, big system, point system <laughs> each month, monthly leader board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeds, um, a lot of seeding going on. Uh, yeah. What do we? I, I'm into um, Colin Farrell's mad laughing penguin. It's yeah. great. It's so. It's so. The thing I really like about this is it's got that kind of grit that the Nolan stuff had, but it's going. It's like real super stylized grit that goes into like the comic book mythos and so you get like a proper comic book penguin mm-hmm. um and like he is bananas but that's what you want now like all of batman's villains are they're, they're in the insane asylum like inmates aren't they like go absolutely fully balls to the wall with it i love it it does feel mm-hmm. like you know we've had and maybe this is doing down matt reeves's vision because i haven't seen it yet but to me, you have like these such distinct versions of on-screen Batman, like TV series Burton, Schumacher, Nolan, and then this. And though before this, all of them feel like they sit in their own pockets of how you tell that story. This one, to me, feels like it's taking quite a uh, midpoint between Nolan's grit and Burton's like oh, like over-the-top gothic sensibilities, mm-hmm. and like. Something about that's really working for me now. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really into it. As soon as I watched this, I went and bought and read for the first time Batman Year One because I know mm-hmm. that it's Very somewhat good. going in that direction. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing like Frank Miller's, you know, questionable attitudes towards women, notwithstanding. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the uh, some of that like replicated on screen, like this feeling mm-hmm. of him just being so alone um mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and so without tools it just feels like yeah. that feels really cool to me and zoe kravitz seems like a perfect catman as well oh, yeah like we don't see a well i see a bit of her in the trade fair we haven't really seen like a full scene or anything yet obviously but she definitely has the look of catwoman and andy circus as alfred works perfectly for me because to me he's just doing the london version of his prestige role uh, yeah <laughs> i i have to say that's the one bit i'm not yet convinced on but i've only seen him in like literally a glimpse yeah. and a couple of lines so i'm not entirely sure um, yeah. yeah i, I can't wait and the, what the rumors are that it's basically a th- almost a three-hour psychological thriller basically 100 is what it. i want yeah like i yeah. This is this does feel like it's going to be the Batman detective story that we never get on screen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if this is a serial killer mystery that happens to have a man with electric hands running around, <laughs> I'm super into it. Give me more. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm ready. I kind of hope it's a one-off as well. Like, they haven't really said it, but like, it'd be, it'd be cool to get these one-off stories. Like, they do keep t- talking about a Joker sequel. I don't mm. know if anyone needs that. Like just do these one-off stories just like these one-off graphic novels mm-hmm. that sit by themselves imagine if batman fucking died at the end it would be great <laughs> like it would be really uh, amazingly good way to just be like pattinson just going fuck off i'm doing it once <laughs> this is it yeah um yeah i'd, I'd take it it's I'd one of yeah. those though like i know i haven't seen the film yet but everything about that trailer is what i want from a batman film Mm. And I sort of mm. don't like the idea that we might have to let that go immediately. Yeah. Even if it's okay, like I would really like them to perhaps like have an element that brings like Nightwing into it, and you can have a mm. Nightwing like that <laughs> stays within that Gotham and has that tone. Or if Zoe but... Kravitz's Catwoman yeah, is like yeah. a breakout. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 
You could the, see that. Like, the um, there is that Nightwing film that's been in gest- gestation for like five years at this point, yeah. and they've said this isn't our priority. Like you could totally, if Batman did really well, you could totally see them being like, okay, here's fucking dark Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. like, I'd be well into that. Amazing. Yeah, can't wait for that. That's April. It's not far away either. So, mm. oh, it's all coming. Everything's coming. Um, Gotham Knights, more Batman. We don't actually know when that's coming yet, do we? Is it still just next year? It's just next year. I would I would guess if they do stick to the 2022 for that and Suicide Squad, then you're getting first half Gotham Knights, second half Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. But I, yeah, Suicide I could Squad see it late spring, 2023. Um, yeah. Um, Gotham Knights, we didn't... Like, we got the Call of Owls trailer, which everyone wanted to see the Call of Owls in this game. I'm surprised we didn't see any actual... Because last year we saw a good like ten fifteen minute chunk of gameplay. Mm. I'm surprised we didn't see any more actual gameplay. I think they thought they were making DC fandom really lean and mean this year, but it was actually just a four hour show with about mm. six bits that anyone gave a shit about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I was surprised by that. I do wonder if there have been um, changes since last year. Even though I did I didn't come away thinking it was going to be it looked very bad, but I think there was a lot of worry about things like the combat system and stuff like that. And not seeing it now and hearing them sort of talk around combat in the little behind the scenes thing they put up like does make me feel like there's something maybe mm-hmm. different. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Just make it four player cuz that's what everyone wanted. Everyone's like why is this game that has four stars two player only? Yeah. <laughs> like had four i want to play i have lots of friends joe that i like playing games with i've only got um, one best friend so that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah problem selfie you'd like all games to be two player and two player only yeah uh, absolutely if, if possible yeah. please um if you are looking for four player though you've got mm. suicide squad yeah which we did get a proper look at not again not gameplay but we did get a look at pretty much all of the justice league that you will be supposedly killing mm-hmm. in this game it's just weird to see it's been like so long that like we've never really seen the flash or green lantern like i'm just how are you going to fight them in this i'm sure they'll have they'll be like boss fights where you have to slow the flash down with mm-hmm. electrical grenades or something just that'll be what the game is there's a kryptonite that you can yeah. lob into him but how does you know harley quinn who basically just has a baseball bat and a grenade take down green lantern <laughs> it does feel like that's going to be the joke though right like is that not going to be the deal is that 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 that's the humor of the game is them kind of fucking around and just trying to make it mm-hmm. work and wonder Woman like, ending up saving their asses this is going to be the actual plot of the game is you do go through all of them and kill them or do you think that's going to be within the first half of the game the course is just going to change and it's going to be i absolutely think that yeah i think it's because yeah. it's it's brainiac right is the is the baddie um so it feels like you then the suicide squad have their moral turn and go mm-hmm. okay we're going to kill the big bad guy that's controlling them instead of killing the justice league or something like that yeah, i don't know exactly. it doesn't and I, I bet you'll kill one i reckon you will kill one of them and that will be its big like suicide who's the squad weak, moment. which one which one's going down matt which one of those justice league do you want to kill out of the ones that we've seen so far like probably wonder yeah. woman's the easiest to kill but then she's she doesn't look like she's corrupted. She's fighting Superman in that mm. thing. That is true. So I yeah. reckon it's going to be Flash because they show him or being Bat- a little prick. Or Batman. Yeah. Um, they show they do show Lex Luthor's head just exploding as well. That's not they? Lex so Luthor. I don't think he's a Lex, he's a Lex Corp scientist who oh, looks okay. who I looks weirdly like actually... Justin Theroux. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, apparently he's just a scientist. We mm-hmm. people were saying. 
Um, and this is the one, just to not confuse people, this is the one that takes place in the Arkham universe Yes, from the Rocksteady games. Gotham Knights is actually in a separate Gotham, mm-hmm. so consider it a multiverse. That's somewhere else. You can, you can tell, because in... both fucking both things had a big focus on the Penguin. Like, of all yeah. the characters, the Penguin was in both, and the Arkham Penguin is in the, the Suicide yeah. Squad trailer, so you can tell. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a shot that looks curiously like a Batman's gauntlet uh, pointing a gun at Harley Quinn's head. Or it could be uh, mm. Jason Todd. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that I do think we are going to see people from the Arkham games popping up mm-hmm. in this. Uh, also, I, I can't wait for you for this. When I first saw the, the trailer, I was like, oh, my God, this looks absolutely incredible. Like, visuals-wise, it looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And me and a few people were, like, chatting on WhatsApp, and all were talking about, we're all big Arkham Knight defenders. Um, and it's, it's a great game. And it was three quid on Steam. So we're like, okay, we'll get that and boot it up and look at it now. It's still, like, the fucking best-looking PS4 yeah. game mm-hmm. ever released. Like, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I... I had my week off last week, and I, yeah, it's on Game Pass, so I just downloaded it, played the first hour again. I was like, this is still brilliant. Like, lo- even the tank stuff, it's not that oh, bad. The, ta- the, the only bad bits of the tank stuff are the stealth tank stuff, which mm-hmm. is stupid. And also, yeah. it's not in it as much as you think it is. Like, when you no. go back to it, there's a very small percentage of that game that's made up of those stealth tanks. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a joke how it's good that game looks. Game. And it, like, genuinely... Because I was watching that trailer, I was like, oh, Rocksteady are really good. And I was like, oh no, they made a game that looked almost this good six years ago um also worth pointing out because i didn't realize they released all three arkham games within six years and it's taken them longer to get to the release of this game after arkham knight which is the work ethic on that studio back in the day was absurd um so so good or i could go back and play this work ethic or Maybe more questionable reasons. Well, I suppose we'll they, had, you know, they had the bones of those games, didn't they? It was the same city, same combat system, a lot of the same characters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's first, easy. I'm yeah. not saying you could do it in a month. Yeah, first but, two were know. made in the same engine as well, weren't they? Yes, so I'm sure yeah. there was, but like, but like that step up to like because Arkham Knight is my favourite out of a yeah. lot of them. I think it's such a fucking good game. But yeah, like mm-hmm. the rain in that game on the cape yeah. and everything. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, wasn't also just well, the structure of Arkham Knight makes me really excited to see Suicide Squad because mm-hmm. I just want another open world game that has the balls to to work that way and mm-hmm. to make every mission feel like it matters. Yeah, um, yeah I oh. just there's nothing else like it. There's literally nothing else like it. It's amazing. Yeah, last year when it was revealed, wasn't one of the. Didn't they say like the biggest thing they learned or biggest adjustment they had to make was that they were making a game set in daylight, which is mm. probably what has taken a long time because um, games that are darker and are rainy and have a lot of fire do look good, mm. I think. <laughs> like They're things that naturally look good, so they're having to adjust everything to now do a daytime city, which um, I'm sure will still be amazing. Yeah, I can't. That is definitely one of our most anticipated games. Mm-hmm. We've got a few more things from DC Fandom that... I mean, I'm not personally as excited about it, but I know others maybe. Um, that we saw a look at the Flash movie, which a lot of people excited about seeing Michael Keaton's Batman potentially. Is that him? It is him, but you yes. know, no one says it is him. They basically show his Batmobile as well. Um, I don't. I really like Michael Keaton's Batman. I don't have that um, nostalgic sort of ties to him that some people have like so a lot of people really excited that he's in this film i think he's a very good batman don't get me wrong but i think it definitely is outweighed by how much i'd really just don't like ezra miller <laughs> yes <laughs> like I, i'm just not excited for this film and it has been pointed out like is this and the next spider-man film the same plot 
Like, are they mm. doing a very similar film here? I suppose um, some of this is like inspired by Flashpoint, right? Which is, mm. is and, and you know, Spider Man has its basis in its own comics, but I suppose there's a certain amount of crossover there. I I don't know. I quite like Muschietti as a director. Like, I was less fond of of, of the second part of it, mm. but I think the first part of it is very very good. Um, mm. And so, like, I hope that he does a good job. And we've got you know, there's some some nice. There'll be Supergirl in it as well. Like, I'm hoping that he does some fun stuff there. Like. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm on board. I think like I I will bite on the Keaton stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've also got Black Adam with The Rock playing. Black he was Adam. born to play I... him, apparently. That's what he said. <laughs> was he literally yeah. like he was? They apparently were so. birth. They were like they should have called him Black Adam. Then that should should have been his name. Um, think it through. I don't. <laughs> I um. I don't know a lot about Black Adam. Actually, should I be excited about this? Uh, it's not. I mean, like Black Adam isn't something I'm. I'm most familiar with Black Adam through the Injustice games. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm generally always interested in seeing The Rock play a slightly bad guy. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I'm generally more interested in just watching people go absolutely insane for The Rock. Like, uh, not least because of traffic on websites. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's like he's like I have to say like it was. Fascinating to me to see how much Black Adam dominated almost every other story from fandom for us. Like, it really is a marker of how much Big Dwayne means to people. Yeah. Also, I will say, imagine, go on. imagine being called Dwayne and having that effect on people. Incredible. <laughs> he's, he's single-handedly re- rehabilitated the name Dwayne. Well, um, after Dwayne Dibley from uh, Red Dwarf. Yeah, Dwayne that Dibley. what brought it down? Yeah, I mean, there was uh, Dwayne Wade who played basketball very well, but he was yes. Dwayne instead of Dwayne. So, you know, we took some I, um, stepping stones to get there. I think last week I I, I misheard something. I was listening to a podcast or something. I can't remember what I was listening to. And I, I misheard as, uh, The Rock as Blackadder. And I was like, they're rebooting Blackadder with <laughs> yes, The Rock. I yes, like, <laughs> yes. Give it to me now. I, mean, I would be I, way more I, excited. I don't know what, uh, what historical Davis period. Baldrick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like they, we have to be after World War One, wouldn't it? Because that was the last one. So I don't know. Like um, Vietnam, sixties Cold War, era. <laughs> Vietnam, Blackadder, Vietnam, with Blackadder, <laughs> with a really sexy ball trick. I don't know who it would be. Um, <laughs> well, wouldn't it? Uh, would it be Vin Diesel? I don't know. Uh, they won't work together. Absolutely no, not. But I mean, I'd want to bring would, them together. The Rock would love Vin Diesel to play Baldrick. <laughs> that would really help his side of the feud. Um, I think we've stumbled across an idea here that a few people would watch <laughs> I, I, like it, idris elba as baldrick <laughs> just someone incredibly handsome just uh prattling about yeah that would be great yeah yeah uh, it's a shame we get black adam instead but um i'm sure it, it might be fun i don't know a lot about adam shazam um, was very good i enjoyed shazam so you know if it's like if there it's was got a anything shazam the Bible, 2 trailer as well wasn't there yeah don't yeah <laughs> not into it okay. well it was just behind the scenes it was just stuff just things yeah. stuff just stuff things and stuff um, one more thing you want to talk about Joe was the caped crusader yeah it's like so I'm not a big Batman the animated series guy but I know people are super into it but just the pitch of this thing sounds really good it's an animated series that's trying to be like a proper 40s set noir um, that does the stuff that they weren't allowed to do on Batman the Animated Series. So, like, adult themes and actual, you know, very dark Batman stuff. 
Um, mm-hmm. I just love the idea of seeing a proper 40s Batman detective doing stuff and not having many gadgets and, you know, and, and them kind of rewriting who's who. They, they've hinted that him and Jim Gordon will be rivals instead of friends and at least for the first series and and said like all these characters, you know, the Joker and the big characters that you know from the animated series aren't going to be the same um, and we're going to do different stuff with them. And I'm just like... Also, and like J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves are involved and like there's a lot to be excited about with that one. I think it's like quietly one of the more exciting things they've got on the burner. Um, You've sold me because before this podcast, I, I this, this one totally passed me by. Yeah. And you have sold me. It may be even more than Blackadder goes to Nam. <laughs> Blackadder <laughs> gets in the shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm just a lot of ideas swirling in my head about what this series could be. I mean, um, the thumbnail for this podcast is sorted. It's we basically are, mash. Yeah. It's ba- <laughs> uh, but yeah, there we go. Um, that's all the DC stuff. Um, if there's something from DC fandom you liked that we just completely missed out, why not write in at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com? Hmm. Let us know what you think of all the Batman stuff and what you think of Uncharted as well. Why not? We're now going to talk about some games and films that you may not have watched or played that you think you might like. Mm. We're going to start off with Inscription, which I've only, I've played two hours of and I'm hooked. Joe, I believe you've finished already. Yeah, I finished it in two prolonged stints. I just couldn't stop playing it. I was obsessed. I stayed up till 3am the first night I had it. Um, You're a madman. Why do you love it so? Uh, Because it's just the best. (laughs) <laughs> like it's uh it, to explain it starts um so it's okay let's go let's go way back. <laughs> daniel mullins is a guy that has made two previous games one called pony island that a lot of people played and one called the hex that lots of people didn't uh including me i have not played the hex but both of them do um very interesting metatextual games stuff they are games about games that are lots of different game genres and they hide dark storylines behind the game you initially start playing. Um, and they're very clever and sort of self-referential. But I thought mm-hmm. Pony Island in particular, I didn't actually like the game. Like the game element I hated compared to the story it was telling, which was very smart. Inscription is a game where I absolutely love the core game and it's doing all that clever shit on top of it. So the first thing that happens is... You turn on the game and you get this hint that what you are watching might be found footage. Like there's this kind of VHS Mm. effect and you get this sense of like, okay, so am I watching someone playing a game, but I'm the player. And then the next thing is you can't press new game. You can only press continue. And when you press continue, you start at a table in the dark and this pair of disembodied eyes literally creak open and start teaching how to play a card game. And the card game itself is super interesting. And this is what I love about Inscription, is as someone who likes has liked a lot of card games and played a lot of card games, the one he's invented is genuinely intriguing. Like, it has this weird set... Like, it's all built around death. So it plays like Magic the Gathering. You, have, you, have, you cast creatures and then try and deal damage to the person on the other side of the table until they run out of life. Life, incidentally, is done on scales... So if you do three damage and they do two damage, they mm-hmm. they tip the scales back towards you instead of having two separate life tokens, which is super interesting in and of itself, but let's not get into it. But 
you essentially play creatures that cost blood, and to get blood, you have to kill your existing creatures to get them. So it's this constant like feedback loop of like, how am I having the most effective set of creatures on here to defend myself and kill the other person? And that's just the base level game. Mm-hmm. As you start playing, more and more mechanics get thrown in, and uh, then weird shit starts happening, like certain cards will draw and then start talking to you. <laughs> um, and it turns out some of those cards are alive, and it's not clear why. Then it's revealed, you can just get up from the table and walk around the room you're in. Uh, and you realise that surrounding the card game is an escape room game, where you're trying to figure out how to get out of playing the card game in the mm-hmm. first place. And this is act one. Like, there is so (laughs) much more. Like, so So, much more. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. so I'm, like, for all the reasons you just said there, I'm hooked already. Like, it sounds like a potentially complicated game. It's really not. It's not at all. It's called Very Simple, and it teaches you everything step by step. Um, Like you said, the card game at its core is just fun to play. Mm. Then all the stuff around it is where I got hooked, because it has that sort of puzzle game, sort of the room-esque uh, sort of stuff to be doing and like i'm only like i said i'm only two hours in i got up to the second boss in the card game so okay, far yeah. so i've learned i'm learning bits i've unlocked certain bits of this room and found things that i can use there's like weird things happening and like you said like dark things happening yeah, as well it's like gross. i don't think on the scales it, it's measured in teeth yes which like for like one item you can get during this card game is just a pair of pliers which it doesn't tell you what it does it just says oh tip the scales in your favour, basically. And what you do with those pair of pliers is pull out one of your own teeth and put it onto the scales. It's fucking grim. Yeah, and there's like things like that, which I won't spoil, happening like quite often. Yeah. Odd characters. The sound design is just... It's not a scary game, but at it's, times... It is, it in a literal haunting. sense, it is a dreadful game. Like, you yeah, feel yeah. dread constantly. I was just playing it. Mm-hmm. There were bits where... And I genuinely think this is useful to know for certain people, and I don't consider it a spoiler. There are no jump scares in this game. It's a game that feels like it might be about to jump at you the whole time. And what I actually think it does really well is, even when you start to realise it never is, you still feel like you're right on the edge of something fucking horrible happening the whole time. Um, And it just, it has this really smart approach, and and you'll you'll get further with it, Cardi, but um, Mm. it has this really smart approach to, like, what is the story of the room you're in? What's the story mm. of the card game? What's the story of maybe you're what make the story of what you're maybe watching? And like yeah. starts to interleave how all these things work and which ones affect the others. And it's just fucking fascinating. And like I can't I can't go any further towards explaining anything else yeah. because it is the meaning of the game. But yeah. fuck me. I it's like I'm still in the afterglow of it, but it feels very much like game of the year for me at the moment. Like I, it, I just love it. it is, I absolutely, it is love quite it. absorbing. And like, I'm at the point now where I think anyway that I know what I've got to do. Basically, I'm at the point where I've got everything I need. I just need to defeat the card game part of it, or the act, the part of the card game. I'm at, at the point. Yeah. So I've got things I need, and basically they're just telling me now you've got to defeat him. Mm. So like, I've got to do that, and I just yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. There's also the thing of, so like. Like a card game or a road, it's, it's got kind of road like elements. It's like a deck building it's, as you go each time you die, you, you start again. Yeah, if you've played room. Slay the Spire, it's the same principle of you build yeah. a deck, you you evolve your deck as you play the game through a series of like choices of where mm-hmm. to go on a on a map. 
Um, but it's yeah. got a really cool thing of when you die, you create a card that is basically your card, and you do that from combining. So you choose like parts of three other cards that were in your deck from the run before, and that becomes you, your card, which you can draw and put yourself on the. Oh, it's just there's a lot going. It's if you're just, into yeah. that, if you're super into card games, this is like in itself a meditation on how card games are designed and and how a lot of the fun for people who are super into them is working out how to break the rules of a card game like how to cheese it and Mm -hmm. i think the super interesting thing is the further you go on the further you realize that he's made a card game that has specific loopholes that you can find and work out ways to completely destroy the balance of the game to help you get through it um yeah to the point where like you can be beating those boss characters in like two turns if you've if you've created a deck that works that way um i I got lucky on one yeah i basically had an item that won it for me yeah essentially it's it's bonkers Um, like it's it's just such a great bit of game design mm -hmm. at the same time as story design yeah and also it looks beautiful like it's a bizarre looking game but it's got mm. this the core sort of walking around has got this like grainy texture to everything that looks some Mm -hmm. like vhs 90s like ps1 fucked up style but quite cleanly done like it's really good Mm -hmm. yeah it's published by devolver it's on steam on pc only at the moment Mm -hmm. i don't know if there are plans for it to come to anything else at any point but at the moment it's on steam on pc matt you would definitely like this game yeah it sounds wicked like i had no idea like joe has said to me now several times about how much he's enjoying it but has not mentioned anything about what it is and i've seen some Mm. screenshots and even from screenshots, you that can't possibly prepare you for what that description of the game is. Mm-hmm. I obviously like anything that has kind of like those levels within levels within levels. Mm-hmm. Like though, mm-hmm. like that sounds like I like the. I'm almost seeing like the Venn diagrams of how one element affects the next one. Um, yeah. yeah, like that's definitely going on the list. It's one of those things so that, that I think you could like quite easily assume he's made as like three separate things. Mm-hmm. And put them together, but then you realise the elegance with which they're put together means he must have had this as a complete vision from the start. Yeah. Um, Part of that kind of reminds me of like how House Abandon is built within um, in No Clips, uh, not No Clips, um, Stories Untold. How that's kind of a game mm-hmm. within this kind of environment, and the environment yeah. outside the game is affecting how you feel about the internal game. <laughs> and I like that kind of. That sounds like it's, a good sort of jam. That is a that's a really good comparison. Like it has mm-hmm. it has a lot of that to it. Um, I yeah, was feeling that as well. Even like some of the yeah the grain the art style we were talking about. I was thinking, and it's Devolver as well. Like yeah, it's got a bit of that story is untold to it as well. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's just very good. Yeah, I'd recommend to anyone who has a PC, give it a go. Um, Prop Night is another game that kind of came out of nowhere. Matt, you previewed this game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mishmash of two kind of genres and game modes that no one's really put together before and should work, and they do work. Yeah, I genuinely was very pleasantly surprised by this because it came, it came into us with us having no idea what it was. We literally just told, it's called Prop Night, here's a code for it. So you're like installing it, wondering what the hell is this? And yeah, it turns out to be, it is essentially a Dead by Daylight clone, but you can turn into like inanimate objects in it so like you can turn into a cabbage and roll around which like initially sounds very very weird and very dumb but it's surprising how well it works and like we've nicely it's one that we've been able to all play as a 
It's a big IGN mm-hmm. group. Mm. Um, but yeah, the fundamentals are is if you don't know what Dead by Daylight is, you essentially, it's a, an asynchronous horror multiplayer game in which you have four kind of teenage survivors that must escape from one other player-controlled monster very much kind of plucked from that kind of like the horror archetype book. So there's there's kind of like uh, a banshee like nun. There's a freaky old woman with a big old butcher's knife. There's uh, the doppelganger that can turn into like the characters that it stalks and trick them that way. And then there's kind of the key master who's almost like a hunchback with a giant sort of like big mallet and the ability to summon spectral eyes. They're all kind of very creepy. As you do. Yes, yeah. as you do. You know, everybody wants to summon a spectral eye once in a while, don't they? Um, but the whole point is that um, those those four like survivors need to escape from the map, and the way they do that is by going around and finding these machines. And you have to uh, fix the machine. It takes a very very long time, so it's a very tense kind of moment because you're very vulnerable while you're doing it. And once you've fixed, I think it's five of them, it will open the door to the map, and you can escape out the map. And so the killer is trying to prevent you from doing that. Um, if you've played Dead by Daylight, that probably sounds like almost an absurd amount of lifting the DNA of that game. Oh yeah. Um, but as a, as a uh, as like the the teenagers in it, because I think the idea is is it's like set in a nightmare. It's not an actual reality. And mm. so the rules of reality are kind of bent a little bit, and those teenagers can transform into basically any item in the map that the like is within reach of them. Um, and so that can be like if you're in the cornfield, you can turn into like a scarecrow that you found there. Um, you can turn into crates. You can turn into barrels. Carrots, um, rocks, rocks are OP. Rocks, yeah. Um. So this is it. There's a lot of very what initially feel quite overpowered uh, items because like if you turn into a coke bottle. You just roll under like a bench, and you can just hide mm. there, and it's mm-hmm. very, very difficult uh, for yeah. like the kids to spot into a, you. A massive bale of hay—that's not the smartest move. No, <laughs> no. But that does kind of like sometimes. Then, like, if you're es- trying to escape from the killer, um, you might turn into a cabbage, and yes, they can physically see you turning into the cabbage, but you're suddenly much harder to hit. So it sort of doesn't matter. Whereas I think the bigger ones are more designed as hiding objects. It's like you keep out of sight and you turn into a big item. But there's kind of obviously this big push and pull because you can't hide forever because the match is on a timer. You need to get rid of, you know, fix these five machines before the timer runs out. So there's kind of like all of this kind of hide and seek push and pull play. And I think ultimately out of all of it, that that kind of feels like good game design and largely good because they've taken it from what is one of the most popular games on Twitch, basically. But also it's very, very funny because it's just... Like, the concept is so absurd Mm -hmm. and dumb that it just works for such a humour and, like, laugh anecdote factory. We just laughed all the way through Exactly, that's what it's about. Like, it's... It plays fine. It's not. It's, it by no means the best game I'll ever play. But it's kind of got that sort of um, Friday the Thirteenth effect, hasn't mm-hmm. it? That you get a bunch of friends together, play it, and you laugh at how bad some of you are at it, basically, yeah. or the situations you get yourself in. And yeah, it's not like it's a game. Yeah, if if, if we had five people, it's like oh, do we fancy playing it for an hour? I'd play it. Like it's not. You know, it's not. Something I'll go back to all the mm-hmm. time, but um, is it even is it out yet? Is it early access? It's well, out, it had it? a beta, which I think is over now. They only ran it for a few days, but I know that that I'm sure on their Steam page it said it added because when we were playing it, there was only one map which was set in the farm. But 
you've mm-hmm. seen the trailer for it, you're, there's there's kind of like a like a very traditional old school Victorian haunted house kind of style thing, mm-hmm. and, and you know a few other things. And I think that house got added for that beta, but it's currently unplayable. But I assume it will come back reasonably soon. It is like surprisingly polished really for like as i say it's, it doesn't it doesn't play like a triple a game but i think compared to friday the 13th especially which obviously has a similarish thing this feels like it's had yeah. like an extra well, million bucks isn't it from like, the same studio developing the day before that, it is um, yes. post-apocalyptic last of us mmo like game is it an mmo i think it's an do MMO. we really know like christ knows what that game is that it is, is a, mm-hmm. it is meant to be an mmo but it looks like The Last of Us, but with like social spaces and lots of people yeah. fighting each mm-hmm. other and a bit dark zony. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but everybody liked the look of that, right? That looks like it's had money spent on it, um, mm-hmm. even though they're kind of like a, a well, I assume they're a small developer unless they're suddenly like a hundred strong Russian developer that like cropped up out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like as their kind of other game, I think like really nice art style. It's got a very kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer-ish. It's not a grimy horror. Um, I mean, one of the characters is literally just Billie Eilish. So there's a Billie not Eilish. Literally. She yeah. looks exactly like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. They, but, they, uh, to the point that Epic could use that character model if they really wanted to, yeah. if they were doing yeah. a, a concert. There's like one of the dudes is basically wearing like Marty McFly's Back to the Future 2 get up. There's someone that looks like I saw someone in the comments on one of our articles about it saying like he vaguely looks like he could just be Soldier Boy. Um, so so like like I, I find that quite appealing like I really like the monster designs and I think kind of like I think it needs a bit of work like it doesn't feel like it's fully balanced at the moment I do think like the it's much easier as the survivors to to mm-hmm. succeed because of the way those props work but I will say Jesse is fucking incredibly good at playing mm-hmm. the, the monster and decimated what's that say us. about him though Mm, plays a lot of games doesn't he <laughs> yeah i was gonna say he's a monster he's not a monster mm-hmm. um last question on prop night would this be better if the rock was playing black adder mm. as one of the monsters <laughs> but black adder is the monster <laughs> yeah <laughs> or baldrick get baldrick as like the, if you've watched black adder and not come out of it thinking he's the monster then you've watched the wrong show <laughs> Depends exactly. on which one you've watched, right? Because Black Adder one, he was an absolute dimwit. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, check out Prop Night again. PC Steam only. We're uh, sorry if you have a console. We're not really helping you out today much, but sorry. Uh, if that's a game that will kick off uh, on uh, Twitch, then I'm sure that'll be coming to consoles at some point. A um, couple more things. God, we've got a lot of me. Let's get. Let's be brief with these, Matt. You saw Halloween Kills. I haven't seen it yet. Mm, the uh, sequel to you. the twenty. <laughs> this, <laughs> this will be briefer. The sequel to the twenty eighteen uh, sequel slash reboot of Halloween. Um, mm. It's you, which I think we both agreed is a very good film. I really, I really, enjoyed. I really like Halloween twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think it's um, like an excellent movie. This sad, sadly, yeah, it's not. I've heard it described as a mess. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Very messy. <laughs> um, it's, I tell you, I, I've been thinking on this film now for kind of like a week and a half, and I still don't understand what the fuck they did with it. It is, for lack of a better term, like Halloween 2018 is a very, very distinct sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween, right? Like it mm-hmm. is, it, it's 40 years later, it very much continues the story of Laurie Strode. And 
has a real, real strong kind of like idea that it chases about the idea of trauma being passed down generations of women. So by this point, Laurie is a grandmother, but it's like the trauma that she had at the hands of Michael Myers in the original film has kind of affected her relationship with her daughter and in turn the relationship with the granddaughter. Like they are all like haunted by this man who hasn't been around for 40 years. Then he turns up and, you know, I'm not going to exactly say what happened in Toronto. He's pure, he's pure evil, he's pure what evil. Gonna happen? Like, it's not going to be a party, is it? No, no, evil. they have a very nasty time. <laughs> but luckily, you know, kind of like they sorted at the end of Halloween 2018. Wonderful finish. Leave it yeah. there. But then this is less a sequel to that film and more like if we're going to use video game terms. Imagine if they just made like a DLC pack for for it and what they don't want to do is they don't want to put anything in that dlc that would be too game changing so that when people eventually pick up the actual sequel that comes out later that they'll have missed anything yeah that's what i've heard kind of the problem is this caught between being a sequel and a pre because if you don't know this is part of a trilogy i think even is it next year the final part is scheduled to come out i spoke to david gordon green the director and he said they were starting to do the filming in january on the next one okay Maybe it's not. Maybe it isn't actually. I don't know. But that's what I've heard the problem is. It's kind of caught between teeing up a third part mm-hmm. and kind of dealing with what happened in the first. Are you still excited for the third part? Do you think? Yeah. Does it leave it on a point where the third part could still be very good? Well, it's so completely throwaway that it wouldn't matter if this film existed or not. Because basically, okay. Laurie is in it for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Admittedly, this is a film that is barely touching 100 minutes long it is very short um which Mm -hmm. is like horror films often benefit from being short and snappy but this is a film where about 20 minutes of that is taken up by a flashback that is basically david gordon green doing his fan fiction that follows on immediately from the original halloween which i kind of got a kick out to a degree because i do like modern filmmakers replicating the styles of the well late 1970s for this and he does all of that great, like, no use of modern technology. It's all very much the filming techniques and the film grain and the lighting effects that you would have used in the 70s. So it looks like it could have literally been filmed by Carpenter. But that's 20 minutes of this film, which is just kind of like, essentially, you don't really need that. That's just him being like, I want to play around with my toys now. Um, you then get the immediate aftermath of what happens after Halloween 2018, which brings Laurie into the picture, but she's very quickly pushed aside so they can focus on what is the main story of Halloween Kills, which is just the town deciding that they really don't like Michael Myers and now he's back. They've had enough of him. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes to an interesting place eventually in that it wants to discuss the idea of like what mob mentality can do to a community and they've become so obsessed with the idea of killing michael myers it's obviously never gonna go right and Mm -hmm. it does eventually get there but it's sort of it feels like it takes so long to get to the point and then it sort of almost like skips a beat that it should have investigated that story never feels like it comes to terms but what it ultimately does is it means that Laurie's barely in it so it's not continuing her story which is what 2018 was all about and it ultimately feels like it did that so it could just have Michael Myers go around kill a bunch of people that don't really matter because they really wanted to do a kill montage mm-hmm. and it's a there shame. are some entertaining kills I, I w- in there I will but... still watch it just because I like Halloween a lot mm-hmm. and 
I want to see the third one. So you know, even though you said it doesn't matter, I'll still watch it. Are you at least happy you've managed to get that off your chest? Yeah, I feel like this has been building up within you. Yeah, um, it's, it's gone now. It's gone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good. You've expelled pure evil for another year. Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, what else? Oh God, yeah, I forgot I had to talk about this. I don't have to. I've added it. Um, so, uh, if you may remember, was it a couple of years ago? Both me and Joe, I think, talked about our real guilty pleasure of watching I was on that the Netflix podcast. series. You were you on that as yeah, well? Okay, it was free. the Netflix series You, which uh, season three came out on Friday. I, I may have already watched it all, mm-hmm. um, despite still thinking it's a really bad television. Show. I, I have to say, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that I've managed to to resist the urge to watch you season three. Like something about it didn't you'll pull cr- me in. Like you'll, you'll, you'll get, you'll get there. I so um, will. it's more of the same. It's nonsense. It's av- but that's the thing. So science does get it and it must get its hooks into people because everyone seems to watch it it's Mm. one of the most watched things on netflix if you don't know the kind of concept of you it's basically the tv show dexter but with the guy from gossip girl in it um (laughs) it's um he's kind of a like you're supposed and that's the weird thing of this show you're supposed to they position it from his point of view you're supposed to sympathize it although he is basically a very violent stalker that is who he is and it's an odd show. Season three is more of that oddness of just like, I don't know. It makes no sense. But that is the thing I like about it is it keeps you on your toes because it doesn't really work within the realms of human logic. So anything could happen at any point. Anyone could end up dead. Anyone can end up in a plastic cage in a basement. <laughs> like anyone could end up there. Um, and you're just like, oh, what's going to happen next? It ends and you know it tees up what is going to be a full series and you're like oh we're doing this again are we um i uh, i just i just opened the wikipedia page because i wanted to remind myself if it was it is a greg berlatani show isn't it which is Mm -hmm. the guy that does riverdale and all the Mm. the cw kind of arrowverse oh it's absolute pap but i do watch it it is naff as all hell There is some decent acting, so it's got Victoria Pedretti in, who I mm-hmm. think is a very good actress. She's in Haunting of Hill House. She's very good in it. Like mm. I think she's a really good actress, and she's almost in bet in some ways better than Penn Badgley, who who is a real person. I that love is his that name. he's called Penn Badgley. <laughs> I also love you sent her around a little meme that showed that uh, he yes. looks exactly like a young Jose Mourinho, the football manager, it's, which is very it's, strange. It's, it's uncanny and kind of like I could see Mourinho kind of speaking to himself in a like glass the character box. <laughs> yeah like I could see him looking at I don't know um, uh, Michael Essien back in there going mm. you you are you are the one I need he, <laughs> like, did. he, yeah. he did love I don't Michael Essien I mean who I mean I'm a Spurs fan I love Michael Essien that shows how good a player he was damn right. um, anyway <laughs> um, yeah it's just like it's so I just felt like we had I had to bring up because I think a lot of people had joy in me and Joe moaning about it for <laughs> it felt like an hour a couple mm. of years ago. We were like full on, um, but I've had no one to speak about it this year, so I just thought I'd get it out and say, "God, it's nonsense." But part of me really loves it because I'm like, I, "This is mad." I just love how mad it is. They don't care, and it's in the like ninety percent of the characters you just absolutely hate. This third season is set in kind of a suburb like town outside of san francisco so it's got all that like sort of like valley people Mm. like really obsessed with all the health stuff like really just 
obnoxious individuals. And that's the kind of thing it does is, although the lead character is just a sociopathic stalker of people and a murderer, the people he kills are equally <laughs> obnoxious. So you're like, do you know what? I don't care if they're gone. <laughs> like, like it's, it's really odd. And I don't say, I don't think I could recommend it to anyone. Um, but yeah. I don't think I need to because it's on the front page of Netflix whenever you turn it on. So um, and it's not like there's yeah. nothing else on Netflix to watch, is it? I well, um, I've, I went through it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ten episodes, forty minutes each or so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've got it done. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I watched um, I watched Midnight Mass, Cardi. It was fucking incredible. It's so good. It's, oh my I god! Just, it is. I mean, and I, you know, hot on the heels of having watched Squid Game, which I also thought was incredible. To then yeah. have something that I think I might have enjoyed more. I can't believe how good Midnight Mass was. It's, right, it's phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I find it very hard to believe I'll watch anything better than that this year. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's truly, really? truly so wonderful I think it's show. at number two for me. I think I have Squid Game 3, Midnight Mass 2. I think I still have Mayor of Easttown 1. Right. Oh, I never got around to that. I should, I should try that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, some great television this year. You... Not included. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? I've watched it all. And to, well, I would be lying if I say I didn't enjoy it to some extent. It is the perfect... Um, I must have played, I don't know, a good 200 games of online solitaire while watching that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a great week off. I, um, <laughs> I have just realised that Succession just started and I haven't watched that yet. So oh, yes. That yeah, could be the thing. first episode picks up right where you want it to. It's amazing. And- you know, I know this isn't necessarily everyone's bag, but this season of uh, Bake Off is very fucking good. So um, <laughs> I've heard a lot about this Jurgen chap. Oh, mate, Jurgen and Giuseppe are two of the shining lights of Bake Off this year. I absolutely love them both. Um, Fantastic, yeah, wonderful people. We'll probably talk about Succession more once it's either finished or a few episodes in, because there's only one episode in, and surprise, surprise, it's still probably the best ongoing television program on yeah. at the moment. Also, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pastry week in Bake Off next week, so I'll probably be back to talk <laughs> about that. Go. The save the savory showstopper. Come on, that's a highlight every year. <laughs> um, from one savory showstopper to another, I talked to Denny Vilner. Um, I don't about... know what it means, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Um, about spice, which is a savory showstopper to an extent. Um, here is out. my little fifteen-minute chat with Denny Villeneuve, the director of Dune. We talk about a lot of things. Don't worry. We do talk about the prestige, of course. Um, Yeah, enjoy this little chat. Like I said at the start, completely spoiler-free. So, yeah, watch it. Uh, Watch it, even. Listen to it before you watch it or after. The film is actually out today, I think. Mm. Uh, It is out now. It is out on HBO Max. Just watch it. Like I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, you have to watch it on the big screen possible. This is a film that you should watch at the cinema, I think, anyway. It's just incredible to see a cinema. Anyway, enjoy this chat with Denny Villeneuve where I'm sure he'd agree. Hi, Denny. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. To begin with, we we always ask the same couple of quick-fire questions to our guests, so I'm sorry if these are hard to answer because a lot of people struggle to answer them. And one of them is a question I hate being asked myself, which is, right. do you have a favourite film? and Or is there one that you always like go back to, not necessarily one that you call your favourite? That, that One of my uh, favourite favorite film of all time, and it's a movie that I frankly saw when I, at an early age that I didn't understood, but I was really impressed by, 
uh, and that I revisited through years and after. And uh, every time I watch it again, I'm, I'm, there's still something new that I see. And it's one of the most precise and most powerful movie ever made, cinematic movie, is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Still today, is, uh, I would say, it's like if I had to pick one, it would be definitely that one. I, w- I watched that recently. Uh, it's unbelievable to think that that film was made in yeah. what, 1968, I think. Yeah, exactly. I had uh, the great chance to watch it uh, recently in 70 millimeter in a theater mm. and, and uh, the impact of 2001 uh, on a big screen is uh, incredible. It's really a, ma- it's a, it's a total masterpiece. Yeah. So uh, I work for IGN and we cover films, TV, but we also cover video games. Well, I'm not sure if you have any history of video games or if you'd have a video game you'd call a favorite that you played. I will say that that uh, that uh, when I was young, uh, a game that I, I really loved was Lunar Lander, <laughs> which was like you were not born when we were playing that game, <laughs> and, and it, it's a very basic one. But I still uh, every time I see it, uh, uh, I, I still have a vivid, cool memory of uh, uh, playing with that game where you have to land uh, a, a mud a lunar uh, uh, lander on, on the moon using thruster mm-hmm. very simple very tricky uh very simple but very fun you, you're kind of doing that for real now you kind of you've, you've brought that to life and are we going to have a lunar lander film from you <laughs> is what <I'm> thinking. <laughs> i thought we'd be very surprised <laughs> um and uh just two more quick fire ones have you got a favorite tv show or maybe one at the moment that you're you're watching i would say that uh, uh, a tv show that uh, really impressed me in the past was in treatment uh, that TV show where uh, uh, it was—it's a while ago where you—you uh, um, you follow the the ter- therapy therapeutic process of several characters and 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 their relationship with the therapist, uh, psychotherapist. Uh, I thought that was like really brilliant TV. And uh, a fourth one. This may seem just a bit out of nowhere. Have you seen and what do you think of Christopher Nolan's The Prestige? Uh, I've seen this movie a while ago, and I remember enjoying it. I think it's a, it's a, uh, again, um, uh, uh, another impressive movie from Christopher Nolan. It's not my favorite of, of Nolan's work, but again, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a really. Uh, but I've seen this movie a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask is because it's kind of our almost our podcast's mascot film. Like we we all love that film, and okay. we love it so much that a couple of years ago we put our own cinema screening of it just so we could see it on the big screen. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. So, yeah, um, yeah. But thank you for answering those. Now I'll talk to you about June, which is why we're actually here. Um, could you maybe give a brief introduction to the world of June for anyone not familiar? It's very simple. You know, when you watch June, you, have, you, you just need to know one thing, that there's a substance, very precious substance, uh, that helps to... Uh, to travel in space, and you could see this substance is called spice, and you could see it as a as a as a metaphor for for oil. What is oil to our world? Spice is to Dune's world, and that's the most important. If you know that, you will understand the story. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And what is it about the world of Dune that sort that got its hooks into you at such a young age? Why why do you love Dune essentially? Uh, I think that that was super per impressed by uh, that culture that uh, was created by Frank Herbert de Fremen. These uh, uh, people uh, living in the deep desert of Arrakis uh, that had uh, uh, 
adapted to those harsh conditions, the toughest conditions, developing technologies that, like those incredible suits that recycles their own water or, or uh, um, the way they developed uh, um, different techniques to survive. Like one of them is how to cross a desert without attracting a sandworm because the sandworm being uh, uh, our predators living under the sand and uh, uh, they are attracted by the, that by rhythmic noises. So if you walk on the sand, you will be attacked and devoured by a sandworm. So how to, to they develop a technique which is called the sand walk where they dance without rhythm on the sand in order to emulate those, the sound of, of the desert. That, I think, is awesome ideas. I mean, it's like all the, the, the Fremen technique and the relationship with the environment, the way they, they are one with their ecosystem. I thought that was absolutely poetic and powerful and, and very uh, impressive ideas when I read that at first as a, as a team. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Fremen, and they obviously live in a, a planet just covered in sand. It's essentially a desert. What, how important was it for you to actually go and film out in the desert rather than on a green screen? It was essential because uh, um, um, you, it's, you cannot uh, recreate the, the epicness, the grandeur, the, the, the size of those sand dunes and, and on the back lot. I, I needed the, the, to be in the real environment, to embrace the landscape and to receive the impact of this, this landscape on, on our psyche as we were making it. And, and so we would be, uh, me and the cinematographer and the actors, inspired by 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 uh, those landscape in, uh, to bring the, in order to bring the, the the movie to life, and for the people who will watch the movie, they will understand that it would not, not be possible to shoot that uh, on a back lot or on on green screen. It's it's too vast, too big, it's too powerful. I recently rewatched Arrival actually, and it something that struck me with that, which is similar to Dune in a way, is just the sense of scale, um, especially when we first see the spaceships in Arrival, just how vast they are in the open landscape. It reminded me of some of the shots in June when we see some of the massive dropships coming down. Is like, How do you, I mean, I, I think you're one of the best filmmakers I can remember of make of just bringing a, across that sense of scale. How do you achieve that in your films? I think that the, the, it's not about how I achieve, it's more the spirit, uh, the, the idea that, the idea behind is that the humanity in order to survive the, in, in the environment has to create those, massive uh, machines in order to survive space. And it just brings back humanity into the, uh, a certain humidity uh, regarding the, to their relationship with nature. And like similar with Arrival, Blade Runner, June, these are all kind of massive scale projects on planets and worlds we don't know. Um, it's kind of, so is it a tough balancing act? Because they're also at their core very personal, emotionally driven films about people. Is that a tough balancing act to do to bring these most very small scale personal stories but balance them with whole world issues? Yeah, the thing is that you will believe in the world if you believe into the emotion, the, the, the interaction and the emotion and the relationships of this character. So yes, you're right. It's like it's a it's a tough, it's the equilibrium that is necessary in order to move, for the movie to work. It's one of the main focus. It's my job to make sure that the, the, this... this uh, the complexity, um, the beauty, the the of these interaction of these uh, emotion and, uh, of these personal journeys are are at the, the forefront of the story. So the rest will follow. You will believe, for instance, you will believe that there's are they are extraterrestrial if you believe in in, in Amy Adams' character in Arrival. So it's like it's it's uh, um, that's essential that to find that equilibrium. Yeah, I think. 
I, I saw this in the cinema, which I think you'd probably agree to me is the only way to see this film. I was just kind of blown away, basically. I think it's the loudest screening I've maybe ever been to. It's just like a wall of noise, which I, in a good way, I enjoyed it. And one thing that stood out to me was Hans Zimmer's score, which kind of doesn't really, to me, sound like any of his other scores. It's kind of, there's no real rhythm to it. It's kind of, there's like a cacophony of chanting, like bagpipes, a lot of noise, like, what was it like hearing that for the first time? Are you like that is what June sounds like in my head? It's it's um, it was a long process. It's not something that came out uh, uh, spontaneously. Hans was obsessed with the idea of designing uh, new sounds, uh, uh, sounds that will come out from another world. He was uh, uh, obsessed with the idea of to approach rhythm in a different way. He wanted to get to get out of his comfort zone. He wanted, in a way, to, to uh, you know, Hans is a master. He had to compose many scores, but I think that for him, he wanted Dune's score to be unique. And and uh, it was, like, uh, very important for him that this score will have a strong identity and will be very different than what he had done before. And it was very moving for me to see this master uh, uh, trying to reinvent himself. And it was so inspiring to watch him uh, putting himself in a, in a, in a, out of his comfort zone. And, and, and uh, um, I, I think one of the strengths of the movie is definitely Hans' score that brings a beautiful spirit, spirituality, a feeling of an alien world, and also give hints about the characters' uh, motivations. Uh, uh, I think it's, it's really... Uh, uh, I mean, the deeply in love with the score me too i've been it's not sort of at times it's not a relaxing score i've tried writing to it and it's just too much noise for me to concentrate. I do <laughs> no enjoy, no it's I intense it's a, it's a score that you're absolutely right the score is pretty intense and it, and it's a score that it it's uh, deeply embedded in the dna of the movie and uh, and uh i'm wondering how the score can be absorbed uh uh outside of the of the movie but it's like it's a really powerful score yeah. maybe a sports stadium a team comes out to the bagpipes or something i, I, yeah. I don't know if I, if I own a sports team i'd i'd play part of this score <laughs> just so you know <laughs> um another thing that struck me was just especially with the harken and like how frightening some of that imagery was and especially early on um not necessarily with the harken but the hand in the box scene which is obviously an iconic scene from june just how scary some of that imagery was. I wasn't expecting it to be that dark. I enjoyed it. And I I was just wondering what were the inspirations like? Some of that seems quite gothic, some of that imagery and some of the um, costume design, especially. Uh, frankly, uh, uh, all these uh, uh, ideas came from the book. I mean, from that's it. In the book, there's like a, you feel when you read the book that it's like a strange uh, uh, there's a, a, a period quality to the to the way the culture are, are described. It's almost like a historical book. It feels like a, you're not sure. At, sometimes it, if it's it, Herbert was talking about the past or our future, you know that there are so many uh, roots in earth culture that. Uh, so I try to be faithful to that. Uh, Jacqueline West uh, 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 design costume that were she Jacqueline uh, uh, really went. At, at, at the roots of, of, of Frank Herbert's writing again, and, and uh, we, it's it's um, all this, this imag imaginary imaginary imagery imagery sorry, 
uh, was uh, directly linked with the book. I feel like it's obviously been a long wait for this, as it has been for a lot of films uh, over the past year and a half. And we've waited so people can watch in the cinema. What do you want people to get from June? When they finish watching June, what, what sort of feeling do you want to get across, do you think? But the thing is, um, when I do movies, I love uh, the audience to, to be totally free. You know, it's a bit like, for me, mov- movies are like poems. When uh, you write a poem, you don't want to tell the people what to think after. They have to to mm-hmm. to have their own interpretation, their own... Uh, and I love the, the people to, to go back home and, and uh, um, I, I hope people will be haunted by the film. They will be, uh, 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 they will feel uh, inspired by the images. And I hope that they, they will bring that back home and that uh, they will have maybe the, curior, the curiosity to open the book because it's really a beautiful book. But uh, what they will take out from the message of the movie, that that's belongs to them. Is that something you'd, because I was wondering, that, is that something you'd encourage people to do before seeing the film? Do you think read the book, then see the film? Or at this point, if you haven't read the book, just go in without knowing? People don't need to read the book to watch the film. That was the, 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 the challenge that uh, we had as we were uh, writing the screenplay. We wanted everybody to feel welcome and to understand this movie, even without having to re- read the book. So it's not a, there's no homeworks to be done. When you watch Dune, you can just enter the movie theater and hopefully have fun watching it. I mean, I, I certainly did. And I can't wait personally for part two, whenever that gets around to happening, presumably. I mean, is that what you plan to do next? Or have you got other projects you'd like to get to maybe before that take a break? I'm, I'm not sure. The, the, to answer to your question is that it will be a bit awkward for me to leave uh, uh, something unfinished uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, before doing anything else, I, uh, I will definitely need to finish Dune. So uh, yep. uh, my priority, and I pray the gods of cinema that it will happen, my priority will be definitely Dune too. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for that. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking, talking to, to you. Thank you for your great question. And by the way, there was something very fresh about your question, which I really appreciate. <laughs> thank oh, you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate your films a lot. So thank you very much. Take care. And then we have it. Denny Villeneuve, a lovely and very interesting man with a very, very bassy voice and very French-Canadian voice as well. Well, and also the incorrect opinion about The Prestige. He's really let me down. Um, first... He said he liked it. Yeah, but not his favourite Nolan film. Bugger off. Yeah, um, but it's not my favourite Nolan either. Yeah, but, but we've already there. established that you're a Philistine and a rube. A <laughs> um, <laughs> goon, even. Um yeah, I just yeah, I'm pretty upset about that to be honest. First, I didn't think Dune was all that, and now he's saying this shit about the Prestige. Come on, what's fucking? Well, he's not coming. I'm not going to about a chat to him again now <laughs> after he listens to that. Am I? I thought he's very not. He's a great chat. I've chatted him to him too. Um, mm-hmm. He's a lovely boy. Um, I think he's yeah. very nice. I think he thinks very and deeply makes, about his sci-fi worlds in a way does. that I love. And he makes incredible films. Um, should we do an endless search? Yeah. Inside. Inside. 
question for you. Is it in the search? Matt, what are we playing, baby? Uh, we are playing the game of which the official title I cannot remember because I'm sure we've used like three by now, but mm-hmm. it's the Metacritic higher or lower game. Oh, yes, I love this one. Mm-hmm. I like it, and I rarely do I get to actually play this one. Uh-huh. So and I'm looking forward to this. Great historically, game. we've always done this with games, I think. So we're going to do think, it with films. Yeah, we might have done it once with films. Let's do it with films, though, mm-hmm. yeah. And also, I didn't want to stick it like normally, it's always like it's always the highest one or it's always the lowest one. We're mixing it up. Alternating. Okay. okay. Oh wow, this is a real grab bag mm. of joy. Oh, there we it. go. <laughs> I'll, never, so. I'll never feel settled. <laughs> <laughs> Our first category. I want you to give me the highest ranked Marvel movie on Metacritic. What has the highest rating? When I say Marvel movie, it can literally yeah, be any good. any film that's based on a Marvel property. You don't have to stay within the MCU. Okay. Cool. Who's going first? Okay. Uh, I'm going to do it in the order of which you are on my screen, so Cardi gets to go first. Bollocks. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't want to go first, necessarily, so I was trying well, to you're going through. first. Give is, me there a a very ob- is there a very obvious one here that has a high Metacritic, is what I'm thinking. So I don't know, like... Although I think, like, Infinity War is an incredible film in Endgame, like, were they largely reviewed well by media as a whole or do i go slightly off base which is what i might do because i feel like this was on a metacritic more liked by film critics than a lot of mm. films i'm gonna go with logan shit Lo- you bastard logan. <laughs> excellent I'm al- choice because i'm excellent almost positive choice. that is the highest one um i will go for infinity war you're gonna go for infinity war as well on i'm just not sure playstation 5 please <laughs> <laughs> here we go then right um, of course, the thing is with film is there's a bigger pool, isn't there? There's all these newspapers that review exactly. them. Mm. I mean, and back in the day, like when the first like Tobey Maguire Spider Man, I was like, this is great. And maybe it reviewed really well because comparatively, you know, mm-hmm. it was fresh. Right, Cardi goes in with Logan. The meta score seventy seven. Whoa, that is Seriously? a lot lower than I thought. It was. I, ge- I thought I th- that was an eighties guaranteed. In my head, I genuinely thought that was like ninety three. Nope. 77. Like Logan. I think you may uh, have this. Do you want to know I, who didn't still, like Logan? I'm going to still haven't them. seen it. Rex Reed at the <laughs> Observer didn't like Logan. <laughs> at least he's watched it, which I still haven't done. I looked at it several times. You've not seen Logan? That is absurd, it. man. It's really good. It's just one of those. It's one of those. Hot, I watched so many. I watched like 10 films last week, and one of them was not Logan. No. So. I went, the, uh, went with my housemate to the midnight screening of Logan on the yeah, first boy. night. It was epic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Infinity that. War Yeah Metascore 68 Oh my Whoa, good what? lord That is How Carly. is that I bet, I bet that was fucking Rex Reed and all <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't like well, There is only one 68? negative review Of Infinity War it? From the Globe and Mail John Semley Even by Marvel's own standards of serviceable mediocrity, Infinity War fails. Grow up, John. Or grow down, whichever you prefer. 68. That's that's surprising. Yeah, but how has it only got one negative review and it's ended up on 68? A lot of middlings. Did he Uh, give it minus 30? (laughs) Uh, There's a lot. So there's 14 mixed reviews and 39 positives. But obviously positive can go down to 60, right? Like 61, I think, is the... Boo! There we go. Boo. I did not expect to win that with a 77. It was exciting. Here we are. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's flip it round. I want the yeah. lowest ranked on Metacritic. 
of a film based on a DC comic. Oh, that's a Again, large selection of those, n- isn't there? Not <laughs> just the DCEU. You can go beyond the DCEU. Okay. Um, Joe. Yeah. Oh, which one was first and which one was second? Shit. <laughs> I don't know what you're... Can I... Am I allowed to... Can I, can I ask which way round two films came? <laughs> Just because I can't remember which one it is. Batman and Robin or Batman Forever? Which was the second one? Batman Forever is the... S- mm, I don't know which one. Batman Forever is the, is is the um, Jim Carrey one. Right. Um, Batman and Robin's the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. If you... Yeah. I think I mean Batman and Robin. I'm going to go right. Batman and Robin. So I'm going... I'm not going for either of those. I'm going to go for Catwoman. Oh, oh that's very, a great shout. Very good shout. Well Cardi. done, mate. Well done. I don't know. They're both notoriously two mm. of the worst films ever made. Uh, I've got to find they, the uh, the movie, because Catwoman has a, oh, no. a video game. I've just remembered Batman and Robin's the one where fucking Jonathan Ross, as a bet, gave it five stars. <laughs> Are um, you going to blame Jonathan Ross? I, I, actually, gonna, it might be TV, so it might be okay. Uh, you, yeah. want, you might want to... Like, not worry too much there, Joe, because Batman and Robin does only have one positive review, but that <laughs> came from Elvis Mitchell at the New York Times, and it's not a five-star, so Jonathan Ross's is not yeah. included. I think he might have been on f- film uh, thing. What would that have called? Film yeah. 1997. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> um, this is a close one, boys. There's a point Ooh. in it. A single Whoa. point. Battle of the Stinkers. That's not me, Joe. Joe. Mm. Batman and Robin has a meta score of twenty-eight. Okay, oh, that's, that's that is poor. Cardi, yeah. Catwoman has a meta score of twenty-seven. No. <laughs> I, I've Go just, on, Hallie. I've just just to um, you know, re- make sure everyone doesn't tweet me. Uh, Jonathan Ross, in fact, gave the very positive review to Batman Forever. Uh, uh, where he called okay. it one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> what was Batman Forever out of interest, Matt? Would that mm, have let's have a look it? at Batman Forever. I feel like that would be more like a 34. I feel like that's a little bit better. 51. Wow. 51, okay. That's not, that's not, mm-hmm. not by any means a good film. No. It's, it was, it's not a stinker. But it, that was Jim Carrey's big period where I, pe- I think people were willing to say... Yeah. If Jim Carrey's in something, it's probably Tom, right. Tommy Lee Jones' is two face in a bizarre <laughs> oh, performance. Is that, is that the one? No, it was um, Batman and Robin that had Irma Thurman, Irma right? Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. uh, Poison Ivy, yeah. yeah. God. And those bizarre Bane uh, costumes. Those are basically one film to me. Just one yeah. big mulch oh, yeah. of shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. A very wide topic here that you can choose from. I want the highest ranked Netflix original television series. Oh. Cardi, your Ooh. pick first. Hmm. Just trying to wrap my brains of which. Sorry, does that have to be a drama? Could be a documentary series. Anything that is considered. Anything. When it, that flashes up at the start, a Netflix original series. Well, then I can choose <sighs> Star Trek Discovery. Which is the lie they tell at the start mm. of the UK version? <laughs> uh, mm, okay. 
what's <sighs> there's a few things to pick from here isn't there mm. are we doing this by season or by show in general sorry Ooh, I'm sorry to be that's really a good point because I might not be able to let's I'm just going to use something that we've look up Jessica Jones because neither of us is going to say Jessica <laughs> Jones <laughs> You didn't know that. <laughs> I did. Huh, they just have it as a single thing, which I'm guessing they pull from season one. Okay. <sighs> okay. Okay. Oh, there's a few things. Like, I'd hate that I have to go hurt her still. Right. Joe, I'm going to go for the original. I'm going to go with House of Cards. Because I think very it reviewed very well. But cards. I would have gone for season one if I had tried, because it did trail off a little bit. Okay, yeah, so. I'm I'm hoping for a similar season one vibe. Oh, actually, I'm going to go Wild Wild Country. Oh, hello. Which strikes me as the kind of thing that wouldn't get reviewed everywhere and would get reviewed by people who liked it. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm wrong. Right. Cardi. House of Cards has a meta yeah. score of 73. Mm. Joe, mm-hmm. Wild Wild Country has a meta score of 79. Yes! He's, one he's point. gone full bug one. He's gone full I've gone bug full one. Bug one. <laughs> <laughs> they said it couldn't be done again, and he's done it. Right. <laughs> I forgot about full bug I'd one. I'd forgotten about that show. I don't know if we ever mentioned a full bag one on this podcast before, but I know we said it to each other. It's just a gif of a load of people from Wild Wild Country going mad (laughs) (laughs) that we sent around every now and then. It was good. Going full bag one. Uh, Right, okay. Another lowest (laughs) one. about bag one. I want the lowest ranked Mike Flanagan project. Lowest. So that can be a TV or a film. Um... God, I literally just rewatched the video we made about all his movies. <laughs> say, say, say the haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Okay, say that yeah, one. Yeah. Joe, you're up first. I'll piss off, would you? Um... <laughs> hmm. Is it? Is uh... I don't think his first movie will be on there. Mm-hmm. Mm. They've all had quite good reactions. Mm. Is the is the is his fairy taley one called Before I Sleep? Is that what it was called? No, that's not it, is it? Um, I should be able to remember the fucking movie title, shouldn't I? That's key to the oh, game. Oh, because he made Doctor... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not... I, like, I'll switch because I'll get one where I actually know the title. Oculus. Yeah. I'll just go for Oculus. You're going to go for Oculus. <sighs> be mine. Joe is Oculus. I still so think... you remind okay. me, do I go Doctor Sleep? Because I, it was mixed. Yeah. Or do I go Gerald's Game, which I liked, but I don't know if it was very mm. well viewed. I was going to go Oculus. Um... Oh, it's before I wake. <laughs> I'm not going to go in for case that. you want it. <laughs> nah, nah. I'm, I'm torn between. Do you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna go with Doctor Sleep. 
So I'll do a doctor sleep. I think that's quite a good shout. Let's have a look. Joe chose Oculus. 61 on mm -hmm. Metacritic. That's Doctor Sleep, that. 59. Oh, nice. It looks oh, apparently like... the director's cut of Doctor Sleep is rather good. So yeah. maybe I'll, I'll watch that. Right. Yeah. I'm afraid Cardi has technically won. That's fine. We do, have, we do have one round left if you'd I like, like to take. I like this game Let's do it. Um, the highest ranked TV show adapted from a movie. Ooh. It's a it's a very common thing these days, people adapting movies into long-form TV. And yeah, I can't think yeah. of any of them. There is literally <laughs> one. Uh, this this is inspired by what uh, I won't say what it is, but there is a horror one on at the moment based on a 1980s mm-hmm. horror film, I think. Can they be spin-offs? Yeah, I think as long as it is like based from like so yeah. there was a movie back then and now its characters have become new television okay. show. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm asking because the thing I've it. got in mind definitely didn't get that well reviewed. Um I'm trying to think here yeah, of one I can think of a lot though the other way around. I've got a couple that are I mean if you can only think of bad ones, you're just trying to bid against which one has the no, least. I'm trying bad. To... I can think of one that's okay, and I think probably reviewed okay, and I'm going to go with Bates Motel. Bates that was, Motel. That was the one I thought didn't get reviewed well, so maybe I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Uh, I watched the first season or two of that, and thought it was all right. So, but Vera Farmiga, I was about to say, I'm not a critic. It? I am, but I'm not a, I didn't review that. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember whether people liked it or not, but I'm going to go with the Scream TV show. Scream TV show. Um, okay, I am very surprised oh, that neither of you bitted him with Hannibal. Oh, fuck. Hannibal. I was going to say that's from a book. Uh, yeah, I film. think about it. it's very much a book adaptation, actually, with just uh, sort of visual references. <laughs> um, but could have gone for any of the stuff. Could have gone for Mandalorian, or mm-hmm. could have gone for. You could have gone for. Well, I don't know. Would you, could you have gone for Mandalorian? That's yeah. just based in the universe, isn't it? More so than a. Bates uh, Motel I mean, is very clear. Skywalker in it. I would have lost <laughs> Right. Uh, Scream 2015 TV show adaptation on MTV, apparently. What a, what wow. a place to release it. Wow. 57. Yeah. Bates Motel, 69. Yeah, fair enough. Go takes it. <laughs> what a winner. Uh, what a lovely game. I do enjoy that game. That's a very good much. game. Thank you, Matt, for the game. Yes. Again. I was going to say Sanaz, but that would have been, again, lewd. <laughs> well, they're trying to not be lewd around here. Um, let's do some feedback, shall we? Yeah. I've got the first one from Lewis Glover, who says, Hi, Gen UK crew. Last week on the podcast, Rory sent in a question about struggling to afford new games and their expensive prices. I thought I'd write in to tell you how I afford to get the new games I like to play. I use a website uh, a website. <laughs> I don't know what that. I use a website called The Game Collection to buy my new games, as they offer to spread the cost over four payments that is charged every two weeks. All this with no interest charges. I know Littlewoods and Very offer a similar service, but you do pay a bit more on their stores. Would love to hear your thoughts on whether this is a good way to afford the latest and greatest games being released. Best regards and have a great weekend. That does sound like a good way of doing it. Um, 
I, as long as you're not the founder of the game collection, are you, Lewis? This isn't just a big <laughs> advert we've done here. But I never did that. I remember when I was younger, I used to either do the thing of buy the game, play as quick as I can, trade it in to get maximum value back, which is it's not the most relaxed way to do it. Or like they used to, are there still websites where you can like Love Film used to do games, mm. or like when Netflix was originally a like a you know door um, mailing service, like. I don't know. I used to even my local library did games. Like you paid two pounds for a week, and you could take a game. Um, they never really had the latest ones. They're always like older games. But yeah, I don't know. Is there any way you can rent games these days? I I, I must say I don't know. But I guess um I guess you you know your streaming services are increasingly the thing that people yeah. would kind of compare. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. But, I yeah, rented all sorts have- of shit. Mm-hmm. I bet you did. I don't, I don't want to know. Earthworm uh, Jim, Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> Boogerman, just all the ones about people throwing snot at each other. They were great. Good. good I distinctly remember games. Well, maybe the best £2 I ever spent at my local library renting 24 the game for PS2 and playing through that in a week. What a lovely time. Innocent times. Mm. Um, and that's an enjoyable game. Uh, yeah, seems like a good way of doing it, though. So that'd be what like 15 pounds every two weeks i mean that's it's not terrible is it if you're getting through those games as well um especially if it's a big game that's like 100 hours long then you know you're probably over the course of two months playing that anyway straight up there we go exactly uh matt right got one in from andrew voke who says hi all apologies for the long email but i have three things for the attention of all you guys gals and non-binary pals number one I have no idea what the fuck Sainsbury's know that we lowly non-Sainsbury's people don't, but I attach a screenshot of the first two hits you get, skipping the sponsored stuff, on the Sainsbury's website when you search for Kid Shampoo. Going to assume, Andrew, that you are a dad. Uh, Not one, but two Muller Corner yogurts. The top two hits, skipping the sponsored stuff. There are two alternatives here. One is that, other than being the delicious and... Other than being delicious, the humble Muller Corner also has a strong yet sensitive cleaning properties. But if that, but if that's the case, why, by guys green tits, wouldn't Johnny Muller be screaming this from the rooftops? Johnny Muller. <laughs> <laughs> the other alternative is much more sinister. That all this time, the alluring sheen of Britain's favourite off milk with a corner reservoir product is the result of it being derived from soap coating your guts with an indulgent but no tears lava. This conspiracy theory, this conspiracy clearly goes right to the top. The top of the bloody corner, that is. Well, I guess there is a third alternative and that it's just a weird glitch that is coincidentally extremely relevant to the IGN UK podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, do we have anything to say about the fact that Muller Corner um, might be shampoo? I've, I'm not going to try it. Um, have you ever accidentally used something that's not shampoo to wash your hair? Well, not accidentally, because oh. I don't have a fridge in my shower. Yeah, only well, ever, no, like... Have, to be... I... have you put uh... toothpaste in your hair, is that what you're going to say? No, I've definitely accidentally sprayed deodorant instead of hairspray in my hair. Are you using a lot of hairspray? I, well, like, when I was, like, 18 to, to, to 20, <laughs> like, university years, when I had longer hair like I do now, just to mm. stop it, you know, flow, like, you know, flying around all the place. Get back in your hairspray um, game. Should I? I've I've got some now. It's just no, I have no cause to use it. Is it um, is it ultra freeze? Is it the super powered uh, stuff? I think it was. It might have been stronghold. 
okay. Yeah, I, I I can't remember, but yeah, I definitely um put deodorant in my hair, which uh, didn't really do anything, but you know, it's just like just my hair spell a deodorant. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> fun anecdote. A bit, a bit wet. <laughs> I couldn't worse could use hairspray on my armpits and. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, what a fun time I had. Oh, Matt, are you glad you asked us to uh, stop halfway through yeah, an email to talk a bit about this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, back to Andrew then, eh? But yeah, don't put yoghurts in your hair. Yeah. Number two point. A couple of episodes back, you talked about the condition aphantasia. And I wanted to bring you and the listeners attention to Laura Kate Dale's fantastic YouTube series called Accessibility. It actually has an episode all about this condition. There is a link. We obviously cannot send you a link because this is audio so i guess search for accessibility on youtube and how it relates to video games her stuff is well worth a look if you're interested in the unique challenges certain disabled neurodivergent and marginalized people face when playing video games i knew about that series i didn't know about the episode on aphantasia so i'm very yeah, excited to go and I have look. Really that's really interesting thought about how that might affect you because it's such a visual medium that you don't mm. think about the idea mm-hmm. that you might need imagination to to use it but there must be some very interesting elements there um number three related to the previous point the disability charity scope is running the power up and play charity event from the 1st to the 10th of november there's going to be lots of charity gaming live streams and the website gives you quite a bit of guidance if you want to get involved yourself in raising some money through playing video games i will probably be fundraising in some capacity i am currently being assessed for adhd and autism and my wife is scope's head of finance so i probably should yeah, and it and it would be great to this see one other is duck an hunters. Ad. Yeah, yeah, there we go. It would be great to see other duck hunters donating or fundraising too. My love to you all and respect to the sea from Andrew. I'm, I'm okay if the ad is for the charity. charity scope. It's probably <laughs> yeah, quite yeah. good. Um, yeah, Andrew, when you do start fundraising, send us the link for that, and we will uh, popularize it by the medium of Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's that's very good. I'm up for that. Maybe we could have a. Do you think there's like a professional eating for yogurts like they have the hot dogs do you think they're oh, muller can corners? you imagine how many corners? <laughs> how, many, how, how much yogurt can you eat in 10 oh, imagine <laughs> the curdled cornflake filled <laughs> sick you'd have after a bunch of corners oh thank you i think you have to do one of every flavor what did we have the was there like 18 to 20 or so currently in circulation like yeah yeah how quickly can you get through all of them would you just bung them all in a bucket or would you have them one by one <laughs> Like when you, you put, mix like when you're a kid and you put all the paints in one thing and it comes out brown. Yeah. <laughs> like... what, did you ever? Did you ever have like a um, like do cereal mixes? Like put three different cereals in a bowl. Yeah, and, and it was like... always shit. Yeah, it was never <laughs> it was quite. Yeah, it was never... I remember. Yeah, you'd have like golden nuggets with cocoa pops. You're like, this will be amazing. It's like, yeah, golden nuggets in like a chocolate milk. It's just never right. What do you reckon the hack is for getting down corners? Because like you know when they do hot dog eating challenges, they like dunk. Mm. The things in water and just slide them down their gullet like fucking snakes um <laughs> you know you really enjoying the them. medium you want to empty them all into like a flask right so you can drink it uh, okay. you want to drink the others i was thinking for high speed you'd go you'd go snap put the topping in snap back yeah yeah and then get your hat like your fist underneath put it over <laughs> your face and just punch like invert <laughs> the yogurt container yeah, yeah. directly into your face I just like, do you think that's what was on like they check every Miller corner it's like if you've left any like if you've even left one vanilla chalk ball left in the thing like disqualified that would be dirty if they did that surely not toppings I think I yogurt know. you can't have more than five 
milliliters left. <laughs> you have to be licking the tub. Like, there's a tense bit right at the end where they're pouring it into a jug. And it's like it's four point two milliliters. Yeah, <laughs> dude, <laughs> throwing it. chocolate cornflakes up in the air over his head like confetti. Um, uh, I'd watch it. Amazing. I'd definitely watch it. And do you know what? I'd watch it even more if it was hosted by The Rock playing Blackadder. Black hosting. Yes. The Muller eating content. What are we on about? Uh, one more email. <laughs> this is from David Swanborough, which I like as a name. Uh, been listening since episode 99. Too long. I think this is the first time I've written in. Again, too long. Although my email account remembers the address, so I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> what a roller coaster. I was recently catching up on some podcasts I've missed, due to podcasts being a way to ignore annoying people who dare get the same trains as I do and lockdown mm-hmm. meaning no train journeys to work for a while. I get that. I was listening to podcast 599 uh, just before uh, the Green Street one. I hope you listened to the entire Green Street episode. Uh, I was listening to podcast 599, Loki spoilers and brilliant RPGs you haven't played, and was blown away by the description of Wildermyth and had to download it. I also immediately tweeted the devs who confirmed a console release is in the works, uh, which will be about a year. The tweet was liked by yourselves, which was a highlight on my Twitter. I did that like, because I liked that you were talking about us. Uh, This led me to a question. Have you ever had a game described to you that has led to you immediately downloading slash buying the game? I played a couple of hours of Wildermyth, and it's brilliant. Um, Yes, Wildermyth, when Matt said it on that podcast, I bought it while we were on there. Um inscriptionist one not that joe explained to me i saw him tweet about it once i was like yeah i'm into this um, um also i mean disco elysium is one like where yes, matt just said yeah here's this and then yeah ended up giving it a 10 for ign so thought it was good in the end um <laughs> there must have been loads <laughs> of these um mm-mm. those are some ones that stick out in my it's not so much yeah. buying it immediately, but the first time I had Shadow of Mordor described to me, I remember, because fe- I don't like Lord of the Rings, so I just didn't care mm-hmm. about it at all. And then someone described the Nemesis system, and I went, oh my good lord, I want to play this game immediately. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. um, I remember reading, it was when I worked in retail, and I was reading on a break, um, Eurogamer's like, very first preview of Divinity Original Sin, mm. um, and... I can't remember the writer on it, but the way that they described kind of like the element system about how you can kind of like stab people, make them bleed, then freeze their blood and get them to slip up on their own blood puddles. Like that was something that I immediately went home and then bought that You've game. always wanted to do that. You've, yeah, you've yeah, You've always yeah, wanted absolutely. to freeze the blood of the innocents and <laughs> I, slip on it. Uh, what was the... Uh, I just had a thought about one. Oh, um, I, the first time I was... This is way back in the day I was reading some un, unofficial PlayStation magazine in Sainsbury's while I waited for my mum. Uh, and someone described the taser in Siphon Filter as being able to turn goons' uh, guts into soup, and I immediately wanted to play that game. So there you go. Uh, that's Be- my beautiful. Good example. Maybe you can write into IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com if you've ever had that of uh, someone just like one line about a game and you were sold potentially. <laughs> Maybe we've done that today with inscription. Maybe, Maybe people have gone. I need to play that. I hope so because. You should. I agree. Uh, can I just add, David finishes mm. by uh, doing on. a thing I quite like for a first-time writer in it, if indeed he is one. Um, just uh, giving us a roundup of all the important details as regards the podcast. So, good. Fave crisps, uh, Walker's Max Paprika. I love those. They're Snap. really good. Fave yogurt, as does extra special lemon curd, which I've never had Ooh. before. Mm. Uh, he has not been possessed or nearly drowned. That's sad. Good. 
uh, for us, uh, not for you. And I didn't know what an onsen was until this podcast. And I'm still unsure why people go as they just see places for horror stories. <laughs> yeah, if you if you read true. this out, thank you. Regardless, thank you for the hours of not hearing strangers and confusing them as I laugh randomly for what seems to be no reason. Respect the sea and protect the whales. Uh, yes, David Swanborough. Although he usually goes by Munchie. <laughs> I, I like munchie. that munchie. I like that a lot. Munchie. Cheers, Munchie. Um, I wish I'd read that right at the start. Sorry. I feel like the onsen is maybe where we need to have our next live podcast. We need to find an onsen and have it there because all of us have to get, get in the electric if, one. If, <laughs> it feels like a place you could both get possessed and nearly drown. It kind of really does bring everything together. Um, or just sit in an onsen over Muller Corner. That'd be right, wouldn't um, it? Exactly. Oh, we did say this would be a long one. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna. I'm gonna break it to you. It's gonna be another hundred minutes, almost Ooh. bang on. Um, oh, what music do we have at the end? We've got Blackadder, oh, the Blackadder theme tune. <laughs> it's, it's, got, it's got to be the, it's got to be the Blackadder. But theme from tune, which season? It? Which series? Uh, Blackadder oh. two, I think. The go, okay, we're gonna go. Blackadder. Big lyrics in the second one. Yeah, big lyrics, huge stuff. Um, I'd love to see the rock's rendition of those. those Bla- it's those black out of BLs coming at you <laughs> on the IGN UK podcast. Big lyrics, big laughs. See you there later. Go. Um, did we have Blackadder in there? <laughs> you just done a sign off. I was going to carry yeah, on. Did we fine. actually have him in the sitcom Smash? I don't know. Did we have Blackadder at any point? Uh, I don't think Blackadder came up. No. Well, when the rock plays him, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the yeah, roster. he goes from like a little. <laughs> Shit boy character to an absolute tank, so that's yeah, good. Exactly, maybe he morphs between the two. Um, Could do, and he throws Baldrick at people. Exactly. Oh god, what a game this is never going to be. Okay, let's go because it's been a long one. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye. Some clash had his beard. From now he always shall be single. To fall in love with boys is weird, especially boys. Without a ding